All right, Real in the Field Season 2. We are back from our short hiatus, and we are back with the guest this week. That's right. We got Coach Matt Biagini, one of my coworkers. He's the Almodino wrestling coach. He's an Army vet, and he's a huge fan of the show, so yeah. it was great to have him on. Yeah, it was a great interview. Uh, I really enjoyed his uh, perspective on wrestling, his coaching philosophy. We got into that a little bit. That second segment, we got into his Army background, which I had no idea, A, that he was uh, in the military, in the Army, and that he jumped out of planes. Yeah, the plane stuff is very interesting. I yeah. think everyone will like that. We got into a game of The Envelope, yeah. which he was a creator of. Oh, yeah. And then finally we finished it off with. Got his insight into some real estate, uh, which was really cool to see uh, or hear his perspective and his experience in real estate. So uh, it was a great interview. It was a great episode. So enjoy it. Like and subscribe and enjoy the show. And we are back with season two of Real in the Field, new episode, and as promised, our first guest of the show, Matt Biagini, big dog, the inventor, the contributor, the writer of the envelope, the envelope, whatever you want to call it. Uh, welcome. Thanks for being here. Pleasure to be here. Thank you guys for having me. Yeah. Pretty, <laughs> I love it. Pretty stoked to be here. Thank you. Dude, we're stoked to have you. So Matt Biagini uh, is the coach, the uh, varsity wrestling coach at El Medina High School. Uh, man, we can go through the accolades. We'll list some off later on. But uh, first, we just want to know, how you got started in wrestling? How'd you get, how'd you get going? Uh, when I was younger, I was in, um, I played baseball growing up throughout yeah. my life. Um, and then right around middle school, I got into martial arts and it was a really easy transition when I got to high school. So martial arts, submission grappling, uh, katas, kumites, all that sort of thing growing yeah. up. Um, and there isn't a high school sport for that. And since I was doing submission grappling, it was just a natural like uh, transition. Right. Yeah. So I picked it up. And just been rolling with it ever since. Oh, nice. So were you in, like, competition, doing competition stuff when you were younger? Yeah. So I had competed in a few, like, AAU tournaments. Yeah. Uh, traveled to the East Coast, did some stuff like that. Uh, and then, like, a, I guess you would call it, like, a local circuit for, like, the youth uh, uh, in the area doing, like, martial arts. Right. Um, and that's kind of how I got going into like combat sports if you will gotcha yeah so how does that how did you get into uh coaching i mean at what point did you feel like all right whatever you learn as a youth at what point did you feel like all right i can take this on to coaching and teaching this to to, to other kids so it was pretty like fortuitous i guess is the word right sure. just kind of like fell in my lap so to speak yeah i uh, got out of the military and um was not sure where i was gonna go from there and I uh, needed a job. I went back to working in a restaurant, which was at that point, like, you know, just miserable. Nothing I wanted to do yeah. again. I had done that for years <laughs> through college and whatever. Um, one of my good buddies, Chris, his wife uh, is a teacher. Okay. And, you know, we had similar, uh, like, educational backgrounds. Hers was, like, far more advanced than mine, but it was similar. And she had mentioned, hey, you know, you'd be a great teacher um, why don't you look into subbing? And then I spoke with another like family member or family friend yeah. who was in teaching as well and said, Hey, you know, I recommend it. Yeah, you'd be great for it. So I applied at, um, a school district. And yeah. when I was applying, I needed to put stuff on my resume 
and I've always had like that I wrestled on my resume. Right. Like there was just something yeah. I I was proud of and, and put on my resume. Like your identity, like what you like kind of associate yourself with. Yeah, you know, you throw it at like at the very bottom, either right. like under like additional skills or you put it you, you just I just kind of always had you it. You gotta mentioned. market yourself. Yeah, a you market bit. yourself. Yeah, sure. Especially yeah. as like a teenager and then I just keep stuff, delete stuff off my resume and that happened to stay on there. And uh, the HR um, in the you know, personnel that hired me at the time, her son went to the school I was working at and was on the wrestling team. Yeah. And uh, they had just recently lost a wrestling coach. And so she was like, hey, I see that you wrestled. Have you ever coached? Yeah. And at that point I had. I had coached like one season with a buddy of mine named George, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and so I said, yeah, I've, I've coached. Yeah. And um, talked, yourself, talked up that part a little yeah, bit. Yeah, let her know. Like, <laughs> I knew what I was doing. You know, I've done this before. And um, so uh, she was just, you know, championing me getting hired as a sub and yeah. introduced me to the athletic director of that school. You know, he came on board pretty quick with, you know, getting me in there. And that was my first, my first job. I was a head coach of Charter Oak High School wrestling team. Wow. And, uh, yeah, I never got a chance to be a, an assistant, which... At some points and times, I wish I had. Yeah. Uh, but just jumped right in there as head coach. Yeah, got thrown into the fire. That's and, awesome. Yeah. And then you end up teaching next to me. Yeah. Right? And now you're the Elmo wrestling coach. Uh-huh. Right? And you might not want to go over your accolades, but I will. You've been the head coach <laughs> for five <laughs> years. Zero. You've won three league titles. Right. You've been to a CIF championship. Right? All CIF of, final, yeah. Or CIF, yeah, final. Yep. All in five years. Mm-hmm. You've had guys go to Masters, State. Right, yeah. Oh, state, yeah. Look at you. So, well, not all me, not all me. A lot of, a lot right, of people, at, a lot of hands yeah. involved. Right, right. Of course, it's no, so that's a. I, it like, takes I a village, that, you yeah. know. It's there's a lot of people, a lot of like things that go involved or go into like getting guys to where they're going to be successful. So, can't say it's all me because it's definitely not. Yeah. Okay. So here's a question from a coach or a coach to a coach: How do you motivate your guys? Your wrestlers, because I feel like this day and age, kids are different. Mm-hmm. I find it with football players, they're different. We always are looking at different ways how to motivate the kids. If it's stickers on the helmet, if it's cut out a newspaper clipping where they th- say we're going to lose or whatever. Like, yeah. So how do you motivate your guys for practice, for the season, like for all that stuff? Like, What are some tricks of the trade of your motivation? Uh, one that stands out the most is like as soon as you re- uh, walk into the wrestling room, you see guys' names on the wall, right? They have these little placards with their names, uh, if they're league champions, if they place in CIF, Masters, State, so on. And that's a carryover from what Alan Clinton did back in his day. Yeah. Uh, so continuing that tradition is, is pretty huge. It's a pretty exciting thing to come into a room and just see like oh my cousin or i know this guy that's so-and-so's dad or hey i want to see my name up there yeah and just for people who don't know who alan clinton is like what's his uh Uh, alan clinton sort of the godfather of wrestling in orange county (laughs) yeah Yeah. uh was at el medina for over 20 years uh he's currently at servite he's our state representative for the southern section just like all around like incredible guy really human nice, being really like, nice guy yeah um, so that's something that he's implemented while he was coaching at Elmo and that's something that you stick stuck with and 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 carry on yeah every coach since him i think has continued that tradition and yeah. i just continue it's it's cool yeah I, if 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 i if it wasn't there already it would be something i would want to do yeah um so yeah that tradition continues on of course um, and I feel like that's a motivating factor. Yeah. Uh, the other one is that, you know, 
myself and my assistant coaches, like, we're in there grinding with the guys. So we wrestle with the guys. When we go on runs, I run with the guys. Yeah. Um, anything that we, like, want them to do or expect them to do, we show that we can do as well or, and that we're willing to do. Yeah. So we're sacrificing. We're sweating. We're bleeding sweating with, with them. them. Yeah, and I – hope and the idea is a buy-in yeah yeah, that's the buy-in that's like because you know a lot of kids want to see you know take it like mpe for instance we'll tell them hey we're running the mile and you'll hear some chirps in the back like run it with us it's like man if you only knew (laughs) the things we do how many miles i've done right yeah Yeah. so being able to get in the pit be in the fire with them challenge them wrestle them yeah and show like look hey even at our age we're here and grinding with you. We hope that that's like a motivating factor for them. Oh man, I would imagine, yeah. yeah. I mean, just kind of thinking as uh, somebody, like uh, if I were in that position, if I were a player, if I were uh, your wrestler, knowing that you're willing to get in there and do that dirty work too, and you're not just you know demanding something of me, you're gonna do that too. That's mm. huge, that's a big, like what you're like, your leader, you wanna know that your leader's gonna be there in the trenches with you. Yeah, that's you gotta lead from the front, you know? Yeah, lead from the front. absolutely. Cool. Dude, that is really cool. Um, so what, um, I'm thinking about that, you know, your wrestlers, uh, you know, you're motivating them, obviously, you're getting them kind of like uh, in the right mind space, but what do you do to, like techniques, what do you do to get your wrestlers in the best like possible position physically? Uh, like, what do you do when you're, when you're in the mat with them, uh, what are you implementing? We do some, well, we lift year, we try to lift year round. You know, we get them in the weight room as often as we can. You know, yeah. sometimes it's hard to get in there, but we lift a lot. Um, we do a do you, lot. Do you ever borrow equipment from the football? <laughs> we <laughs> do not. <laughs> well, actually, we did in the past. Yeah, we have. We've used a sled or two. Yeah, that's right. But, man. you know, with shout out to Amazina Football. <laughs> for that, for that. Thanks for that booster. Uh, yeah. Um, but keeping them in the weight room is, good, is, is big. And I've often, like, clashed a couple of time or two with like some other coaches or just even bouncing ideas off coaches about like having them in the weight room. Right. You know, but I think it's super beneficial. Yeah. I think it's a must, absolute must. Well, what's the pushback? What's the, uh, what's the downside of getting them in the weight room? Uh, well, you hear different, um, uh, things. One is like, well, that time can be used to be on the mat. Gotcha. Right. So you're taking away just from wrestling time. Just different philosophy right. or, Hey, I don't know if like we need to be working on getting our guys stronger you know, for like in a part of the season where we're trying to maintain weight gotcha. and just focus on like fixing things uh, that are happening in matches. Yeah. But I think that explosiveness, that power, that strength, you got to keep it yeah. no matter what. I mean, especially in a sport where guys are coming down in weight, if all things being equal, like you got to have an edge somewhere. So yeah. why not try to have it there yeah. along with other places like on the mat with technique and yeah. And just roll that into, yeah, roll like that, that into the philosophy. I like it to be a piece into. of it, yeah. Right, yeah. No, that's a huge, that's an important part. Mm-hmm. I mean, it plays a big part in, in football. I mean, uh, core strength and, and everything that you do. Everything. All of that philosophy that you're, you know, you can implement that. But if you're not, you're not strong, you're not beating this dude off the line, or if you're not beating your guy on the mat, uh, just physically, that's a huge part. I mean, it's a massive part of it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Your hands are on the guy. You got you to yeah. man up. So. Yeah. Uh, staying in the weight room. Um, you know, it quickly became a year round sport, just like most sports. So guys are, you know, they're competing right now in the off season. Yeah. Uh, you got spring tournaments, re- uh, summer tournaments are coming up and you can, you know, if you're diligent enough, if you're dedicated enough, disciplined enough, you can get a season's worth of matches in the off season, right? You might get, well, 
NFHS is like 40 matches in a year. So what's the, uh, is that a separate tournament? Uh, so if somebody didn't know, you know, what these tournaments are and just kind of know high school wrestling, mm -hmm. what are these other tournaments? And where These are, are like your local, like OCWA, which is Orange County Wrestling Association. Then there's Lawa, mm -hmm. LA County. Uh, Inland Empire has their own as well. Um, so you can go reach out to any of those, gotcha. you know, yeah. just have a USA wrestling card and you compete. And then there's even, you know, then there's even national tournaments where you start, where you'll see your state places, your state champions, college wrestlers. But, yeah. you know, we sort of have like a little circuit, you yeah. know, kind of like seven on seven. Yeah. I was going to say, so is it like the new seven on seven and it's all individual, right? So it's not like almost team is going, this is all individual type stuff. Yeah. The guys from the team will go, but there's no like duel going on. Right. There's association duels that are done at the end of like the summer season or spring season, however you want to phrase it or whatever they're doing it. Uh, and that's usually ran by like a, a chosen coach and they kind of hand pick cherry pick dudes from across your, your section and your association and you duel. But right now it's just, you're going to an individual tournament trying to win. Okay, so here's a question with the individual aspect of wrestling. Because you guys have individual, but it's also a team sport yeah. in certain aspects, right? But the way it differs from football and what we've done our entire lives is like it's literally you're out there in front of everyone. Mm -hmm. And it's one dude against another dude. Yeah. And it's like you're either the glory and the yeah, crowd's going nuts. Yeah, you're not going to hide behind any... Uh, yeah, there's no, there's no... Oh, the O-line didn't block for me. Like, <laughs> right. Like, that's like, dude... Or you could get pinned. Or um, or points and all that stuff. But, like, like, what is the mentality? Or, like, what are those qualities that build, like, a dude who's not afraid? A wrestler who's not afraid? Or do, are they, like, okay? That, and they understand losing's part of it? Or is yeah. it, like, how do you handle that? Because for individuals who haven't done it, like, dude, that's like, that's scary. Like, you're putting yourself oh, you're out all there. Alone. Yeah, like it's you're, you're out like, there. How do you, like, like, how do you like how do they do that, or how do you even like prep a kid for that situation? Yeah, that's tough. I mean, there's there's programs out there that are specifically designed and developed, packaged and sold for like mental training for the sport of wrestling. Um, I think it's called Mindset Wrestling Mindset is the name of it. And it's just, you can, like, buy a program, and for eight weeks, they kind of walk your dudes through the mindset needed to, you know, like get be, out there. Be successful. Yeah. yeah. Um, for me, I kind of try to take what I learned in the military, like that military mindset of, like, going to war, being willing, like, you're, you're sacrificing your life at one point, right? You're, you're, you're telling the government, I will go to war, and if I die, then I'm, I'm signing yeah. up for that. That's yeah. the contract. That's the contract that you contract sign. That yeah. You sign. Yeah. And so trying to liken it to something like that, you know, I tell my guy sometimes when I didn't want to train or I felt tired, I would envision, like, my family at, like, my funeral, Oh, interesting. Oof. Yeah, and, like, just, like, the despair and, like, they're they're upset, they're crying, and yeah. it'd be like, okay, I got to push through this training. Yeah. And, you know, I'd pick my rucksack up and keep going. Yeah. And uh, just kind of that, that was, like, the mentality that I had in that position in the military. So now I try to tell them the same thing, like, you know, think about that. Think about what it's going to be like to be out there on your own, have your hand raised. This guy's coming to... You know, this guy's coming to fight you. You're in an organized fight, 100%. There's no real other way to describe it. You're yeah, in an yeah. organized fight. And the mentality that it takes to be out there, go out there and be willing to win or lose, you really have to be willing to go out on your shield. 
And you can see that. Some guys have it. Some guys don't. You know, sometimes they're on, sometimes they're off. But if you can can get a guy to buy in to feelings on either side of the coin where this is going to be the best feeling you've ever had, you know, the lights, you got a spotlight on you, your friends, your family, your hand is raised, you just beat up a guy. And everyone's cheering you for it, <laughs> yeah. right? Or like gla- that's like some straight up gladiator stuff. Yeah, you know, blood sport, you yeah. know, yeah. Your John Clyde Van Damme, you know, um, <laughs> the old Dim Mock. Wh- yeah, <laughs> the death touch, baby. Um, but is that something that you can put into someone? Yeah, yeah is that you can. something that you can instill in them? Well, you dude, because we get that with football. Like some guys just have it, and some, some guys, guys don't. Some guys like, don't. But as a coach, yeah, you can like kind of get. Stuff yeah. out of you them. You can like, kind of pull something, pull something out of it. You can get some. You can get them to buy in and see the reward because it's pretty obvious in the wrestling room. You might start out as a guy that's like, "Hey, I'm a like, I'm gonna warm up on you," yeah. or like, "As I know that I'm gonna wrestle a coach later on, I'm gonna get warm with this guy." And you're and you're that guy, and you're like, "Man, I'm just getting beat up. I'm getting beat up. I'm getting beat up." Yeah. And the more time you put in, the more you buy in. You learn from those losses. You figure out what's going wrong. You're talking to a coach. Yeah. You see, hey, I got, I got a takedown on the guy this time. Yeah. Hey, now I rode him out. I turned him. The next thing you know, you're scrapping. Yeah. And so you can get that um, almost immediate feedback of yeah. success. Yeah. And that's when a guy will start to buy in and say, yeah, I'm ready to go to war. Yeah. I'm ready to do it for yeah. these guys. I'm ready to do it for my coach who's with me. And, and, w- and, and what about a kid who has that fear, though, to get out there? Um, the kid who has a fear. So we got a guy that's, that we have some potential, that I th- we all think has potential right now. Yeah. And you can see that timidness in him. Like if he feels like he's going to win, he wrestles great. Like, he looks at the guy, he kind of gives him the eye test. If he feels like he doesn't pass it, yeah. he'll go out there and he'll do his job. And if he looks at the guy and you can kind of tell, like, oh, maybe we're evenly matched or I'm not, he'll kind of let that guy kind of wrestle his match. Mm-hmm. So with him, it was a while back uh, that we did this, but, you know, I just grabbed him one day during uh, drilling, and I drilled with him, and I drilled hard with him. And at the end, I, you know, I high-fived him. I said, listen, you stayed in it. You stuck with it. But this is what it's going to be like wrestling on the varsity level. Guys are going to come after you. They're going to try to, like, exploit a weakness. They hit something on you, they're going to hit it again. You're going to push your face into the mat. And you got to do what you just did this whole time, but just just get back up. Keep coming, keep coming, keep coming. And um, so hopefully that brings it out of him. But, yeah, yeah, I don't know. I I don't have, like, a a specific technique or a magic pill that's going to turn them on that at some point like just clicks for some people they, yeah for yeah it clicks but they have to buy in they have to just be willing get over it kind yeah. of thing mm-hmm. how rewarding yeah. is it like when you do see that that guy maybe the one that uh, you know that you say has some potential and you know you see it click you see him kind of turn yeah you see him become you know a little bit more of that animal that you know that's in him and it gets unleashed a little bit mm-hmm. have you seen that oh yeah for sure you know I, i'm not a i'm not a parent but i would liken it to something like what you guys probably feel when yeah. you see your kids accomplish something um you feel great yeah. you know not only do you feel like great because you feel like you're doing the job that you want to do you feel good for them because yeah. you've experienced that 
You oh, know, yeah. you've experienced that same feeling and you can remember the high highs and the low lows and you see them, you know, they come off the mat, they're happy, they're yeah. hugging you. Yeah. And it's just like, that's it, man. You got it. Keep doing that. Yeah. You know, so it's a pretty rewarding feeling. Yeah. And that um, as much as as much as winning is super rewarding as a coach, that kind of stuff really like is what you or for me, I hang my hat on. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? I feel good about that kind of stuff. Yeah. Well, on that, uh, thinking about, you know, what kind of those kinds of moments, uh, you know, what is what are some of your like top coaching moments, like those kinds of moments? And maybe it is a win. Maybe it's, you know. Uh, but what do you hang your hat on like you're saying? Like, what are those moments that stick out in your mind? Mm. The moments that stick out in my mind, um, really seeing those kids I can prove and not be afraid. We had a kid this year um, who was a league champion for us. And midway through the season, you know, he was just wrestling flat, wrestling scared. Yeah. And, and that was at, like, this pretty big tournament called the TOC, which happens at Sonora Tournament of Champions. Schools come down from Central Section, and, you know, like, um, Clovis is there, uh, Buchanan is there, which I think is, like, the number three team in the, in the nation. Oh, wow. And that can be pretty paralyzing for a guy who started wrestling as a freshman. Yeah. You know? And so, um, you know, all three, myself and my other, you know, assistant coaches, we kind of grabbed him, looked at him, and said, hey, you know, you've got to, like, find it in you yeah and we kind of shook him and you know pushed him pretty hard and kind of got in his face a little bit and said you know this is like if you can't hack it here you know this might not be it for you like if you if you can't step up this might not be your sport kind of like that little like threaten of like yeah maybe you need to move on yeah and the next thing you knew like the rest of the year he sort of just found it in him yeah came out yeah wrestled hard was a was a beast you know first league champ we had individual league champ and a few years. Yeah. So that was really rewarding because you got to see him, you know, buy in. Yeah. He bought into what we were saying. Yeah. And you, that, saw it, you saw it. We saw it happen. Before yeah. your eyes. And me and my assistant coaches would just be like, hey, he's doing it. And <laughs> we're like, yeah, you know, he's got it. Uh, uh, so like that, those kind of moments. And yeah. then my first year of coaching, um, we had a, I had a guy go to a state tournament. Yeah, um, he had already wrestled for three years, so he had a well more than three, but he had a lot of experience under his belt. A kid named Gustavo Garcia, uh, stud, 152 pounder at CIF finals. He wrestled Daniel Kim, who was the eventual state champion. Yeah, wrestled him all six minutes, which I think was like a big accomplishment for him that year. Yeah. Kim was just like pinning everybody. Um, but first time, you know, as a coach. Making it to the you know the big dance that was pretty. I yeah, always remember that's that. Huge. Yeah. yeah, that that's was a cool. Huge, huge accomplishment. Absolutely. Yeah. So speaking of the one kid who started off as a freshman, like, what would you recommend for someone who, like, a parent who wants to get their kid into wrestling, or maybe even someone who wants to get into coaching wrestling? Like, what are your recommendations? When when do they start? You know, how do they go about it? Like mm -hmm. stuff like that. Uh, I would say like start now. You know, I mean, get them in as young as you can. Um, try to make it fun. I think most kids who start at a young age are, like, between, like, like five and eight years old. You, they have those divisions. They yeah. have all kinds of divisions. Um, but just start now. Get them in there. Get them used to, like, you know, putting their hands on another kid. Like, you know, uh, get them used to falling and yeah. not being uncomfortable. Being comfortable in uncomfortable positions. Um Learning how to move, that's a big thing, you know, getting in a stance and moving around. Yeah. And you can make it, they can make it fun. Good, good youth coaches make it fun. Um, 
but there's, you know, they're popping up everywhere. There's wrestling clubs coming out of, you know, when I was a kid, they weren't around. Yeah. But now, you know, they're, they're everywhere. Yeah. We can get one in any city. You know, there's a couple, there's Orange RTC. There's, they're everywhere. Yeah. So if you just look for them and seek them out, you can find them. But I would just say start early yeah. and uh, for a kid. And if you're a coach, if you want to coach, you know. <laughs> Email Matt B. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, send me a DM right away. No. Um, Talk up that resume a yeah. little bit. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you got to, uh, you got to get out there. You know, every, it's tough to get good coaching, which I know you've mentioned before. Yeah, for sure. On the, um, in a previous episode, but especially in wrestling. Um, you want a guy with experience, but you want a guy who's also not like, uh, in there to like just beat kids up and be the man, you know. Yeah, you want yeah. guys to encourage them to do positive things. Um, so you know, reach out to whatever high school you went to, and see if there's still a program. If that coach needs help, more likely than not, he's gonna say, "Yeah, you know, come by, drop in the room, yeah. see what our philosophy is about. If it fits you, or you know, like the, whatever you're into. Yeah. Is that pretty important? I know we talked about that of uh, philosophy and buying into like what you're selling. Is that same? Does that apply to wrestling too? You got to buy into that philosophy that you guys are putting out. Yeah, I think that was a pretty good like blanketed. Well, the way the statement you made in your previous podcast, I think that's a good just blanket for coaching. Yeah. In general, because it's more that like you don't want to do the do as I say, not as I do in coaching. Oh, you want to be able to show them. You want to be able to do with them. And so that philosophy has to be shared with the staff, yeah. I think, for sure. Yeah. yeah. Otherwise, you get these riffs and, you know, maybe resentment builds or a yeah. coach, you know, kids start to notice those things and they like, you know, yeah. it could, could be problematic. Maybe not. Yeah. But I think all being on the same page is better than not, for yeah. sure. Yeah. yeah. No, that's good advice. All right, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to uh, go to commercial. We've got uh, a new sponsor. We've got Palm Market uh, in the circle. You're going to hear a little spot from them. So we'll take a quick break, and we'll come back uh, with some more uh, Big Dog. This episode is brought to you by Palm Market. Established in 1925, Palm Market is located on Palm Avenue near the Circle of Orange. The new owners, Tim and Moose, are now the owners of the oldest establishment in the city of Orange. Yeah, they've got some great sandwiches there too. I get the Kubini, which has braised pork, boar's head ham, mustard, pickles, Swiss cheese, all on a Tolera bread. This thing is lights out. Very nice. I usually go with the plaza. Yeah. Add a little extra mayo for me, a little bacon, a little avocado. That's nice. what I like. Yeah. But when I take my kids there, we always bring quarters, hit the gumball machine. Yeah. If you get yourself a orange gumball, you get a free sandwich. Free sandwich, yeah. Can't beat that. Uh, but they don't just do sandwiches. They've got a wide selection of beer and wine. And in fact, uh, May 24th, they got an event coming up. It's a wine night. They're going to do some wine and some cheese. There are limited reservations, so go in, stop in, and talk to Moose and Tim and uh, inquire about, you know, if you can get on that RSVP list. Yeah, and then when at checkout, tell them Real in the Field sent you, and you'll get 10% off if you mention the podcast from anything from the deli. Yeah, it's a pretty good deal there. So visit their website, palmmkt.com. Check out all the sandwiches that they have in their menu, and let them know Real in the Field sent you. back thank you to palm market our newest sponsor they are in the heart of orange on palm avenue uh, go out and get yourself a sandwich uh, go see tim 
and Moose and uh, let them know that Real in the Field sent you. So, uh, Big Dog, last segment we talked, uh, we touched a little bit on your military experience. Uh, what is your background and, and uh, what branch? Uh, give us a little background on where, you, uh, where you're from. Uh, yeah, so I was in the Army from 2011, 2016. Okay. Uh, 82nd Airborne Division. Nice. Alpha Company 2325, uh, White Falcons. Oh, that a boy. Yeah. So where did you do your basic, and then where did you, uh, where did you, did you land after that? Uh, so I did uh, my basic training in Georgia, Fort Benning. Fort Benning, yeah. Yeah, Fort Benning, Georgia, and which was combined with my AIT. Uh, when I was in, that was like being called OSUT, which is like one station unit training. So I was just okay. there for everything. Um Originally, I went in as an 18 X-ray, which is the brevity code for, like, special forces recruit. Okay. Uh, which was pretty tough. <laughs> uh, didn't, uh, didn't, ended up not being my path. Yeah. Um, and so, I uh, ended up being assigned to the 82nd Airborne Division, which also shares um, space at Fort Bragg in North Carolina. Oh, gotcha. Mm-hmm. Fort Bragg. So, you did your basic there, went... Uh, uh, stayed for a little bit to try out that special forces uh, in Fort Benning. So no, Fort Benning is like OSA. That's where like I did just basic training and infantry training. So gotcha. I was an eleven Bravo, which is an infantryman, um, and then I had an airborne contract, which was part of my like eighteen X ray um, contract. So I did uh, my airborne training, mm-hmm. uh, and then you're either going to be um, at Fort Bragg, or you're going to go overseas um, and be in, I can't remember the name of the station, but it's in Italy. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to get ragged for that, but <laughs> uh, hey, 82nd all the way anyway. So You were in Italy, that's, yeah. Yeah, it wasn't, that wasn't me. Um, <laughs> so did my training, and then I got, then went to Fort Bragg, which is where you also do your special, like your SF training, special forces and selection, and again, like I said, I, I didn't even, I wasn't a blip on the radar for me. Those. <laughs> Those guys were intense. You know, I was um, in training with the guys who were like, you know, runners up to Olympians. Oh, wow. You know, didn't make the Olympic oh, team. We yeah. had this one guy who, who was there with us, and he wasn't on the Olympic team because he couldn't beat Apollo Ono for, like, speed <laughs> oh, what, skating. for speed skating? Yeah. You know, we had uh, college athletes left and right, you know, Jeez, guys running, yeah. like, sub five-minute miles, yeah. you know, in college and stuff. Just... It's a whole different species. Yeah. It's a different guy. Yeah. So that's a lot of the dudes who I trained with. And, you know, just I kind of knew early on that I wasn't going to make a career out of the military. Yeah. And when I had that out, I sort of broke in that position. And, you know, that was my 18 X-ray contract. My special forces contract went away. And I got assigned to Airborne Infantry Division. So, nice. Yeah, it, it worked out. Yeah. It worked out. So it's, what's, uh, like, if you were to look back on that, like, what's a, 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 one of your most, like, memorable moments of being in the military? Uh, most memorable moments, other than, like, the core group of, like, guys that I made really good friendships with, who yeah. I still see, you know, just this last summer I went to Texas and visited a couple of them. Nice. Um, but probably my first jump. First jump. Yeah, first First jump, static line jump uh, at Airborne School. It's yeah. pretty cool. Yeah. Is it How like it is in the movies where you like hook on and the guy? Oh yeah, brother. And the lights hey. come on and they like <laughs> just push you out. There is a stuff. whole deal. There's a whole routine. Um, you know, I actually went to like jump master school at one point and I didn't pass that either. <laughs> uh, close. I came close. I yeah. came close. Uh, if I would have just said, you know, jumpers, reserve, 
offset to the right, I'd be a jump master. But that was it. That's the I'm thing not, that yeah, stopped I miss, it. I got, they dinged me. Uh, um, but yeah, there's a whole, there's a whole, um, you know, production, so to speak, um, stand up, hook up. It's all like well, mainly. Kind of walk us through that. Like if you're, you know, from, from ground to air to ground, sure. what's that, what's that like? What's that? Uh, what it's a rush, it like? man. Well, it depends. So sometimes if you're going to jump Hollywood or you're doing like a pay jump, you don't, that's just like, you're jumping like this. You got, you got the parachute on your back and, you know, you have to jump X amount of times uh, in a month or in a time frame to maintain your airborne pay. It's incentive pay on top of like just your regular pay. I think it's like an extra like 120, 180 bucks a month. Yeah. Because you're qualified above, you know, other yeah, regular soldiers. Gotcha, yeah. So if you get a Hollywood jump, you just jump in, you're in, you're in your uniform man, yeah. with parachute. If you get like a combat jump, man, you got to strap a, uh, you know, you got your... Your rifle's case, yeah, right? You know, that's that's a mess. You got your rucksack on you. It's just, you know, you got to put your face paint on. You know, yeah. it's just... You got to get... It's rough. You get so you in go character. To, you Are you packing your shoot? No, no, no. There's riggers and packers. There's, there's a job for guys. Okay, yeah. perfect. Yeah, yeah and they, that. like, sign a little tag and put their name on it in case something happens. Right, you know, they right. can go back and, you know, check. Take, take the blame. Yeah. Yeah, man, and there's a lot of... Dude, there's a lot of accidents... Oh, really? But anyway, from um, not to overshadow that, uh, you know, you go to green ramp. Okay. You go to green ramp and you get like assigned to a chalk. Well, what is a green ramp? What is green that ramp is just like where uh, the airplanes are. Okay. Uh, you get assigned a chalk, like chalk number, hey, whatever. This is the order you're going to be in. It's lining yeah. up on your dot. Yeah, you line up. Get on your number. <laughs> get on your number. Get on your number. And uh, so you do that. Uh, you get your parachute. And then you put your parachute on. You have a buddy. Yeah. You have a buddy, and you guys rig each other up. Okay. And then a jump master comes through, and he does like a JMPI, which is like a check to ensure that you and your buddy have correctly rigged each other up. Gotcha. Once you get that green light from them or the approval, you kind of like sit down. You can take your like a your ACH off and just kind of chill. And then you're just waiting for the plane to arrive and be ready to take you. It's usually like a C-17 or you know, C-130. If you were to compare that to, like, a commercial airplane, like, what is that? Like 747, 737. 737s, yeah. yeah, big, you know, the C-19 Master. That's what you want to ride on, baby. <laughs> that's the luxury, the that's the Cadillac. Guy. Yeah, you got a lot of room. Um, but, what's yeah. your What's your uh, gear, like, what do you uh, estimate, or maybe you know the exact number, what's it weigh in at? Well, if you're doing a, if you're doing a combat jump, it could be over 100 pounds easily really? on the front. Yeah, I think the, I, I I don't know how much the parachute weighs, but it's not light. Yeah, you know, it's nothing that's you, know, you can't do, yeah. but it's not light. Yeah, but when you get it's a lot you know, of material, it's a lot of material. <laughs> yeah, and I if mean, you're you jumping know, in for a long field problem, like say you're like, hey, we know we're going to be out here for at least like 14 day deal. You've got all your extra clothes all your uniforms you've got some of your you got your mres in there you're jumping in water you're jumping in rounds your rifle you're jumping in a lot of stuff so it easily gets to like 85 plus yeah and standing there like rigged up for hours (laughs) man your lower back your lower back is just blinging yeah Uh, but anyway so the the aircraft gets there you load the aircraft and you have like you know they sit you down they strap you in and away you go yeah so it's also training for the air force uh, even though it's training for you. So yeah. they usually do a couple laps on whatever drop zone you are on and this, that, and the other thing. Yeah, get in um, their time. Yeah, they're getting their time. Yeah, they're, getting their time. Yeah. they're getting their time. Um, and then you get, you know, you get the command. If, you know, it's like 
stand up, hook up. So you stand up, you know, you get your, your static line. Depending on which side of the aircraft you're exiting from is how you hook up, left hand, right hand. Gotcha. Um, and then you just sort of, you know, there's always a number one guy, which is a really cool spot to jump. Yeah. Um, you're just right in the door, and you're the first person that gets to jump out, and you're like the initiator. So is this going out like the side of the plane door, or yeah. is this like... The ass end of the plane, you know those mm-hmm. like the ass end of the plane, and sure. you're jumping out like the commercials. Yeah, is it yeah. that, or is it, are you going? <laughs> it depends out? on what kind of aircraft you're on. So if you're on, have, like you, done a bo- C- have you done both? Yes. So if you're on yeah. like a C nineteen, you're going to go out the paratroop door, which are on the sides. Okay. Left and right for okay. like layman. There's like an official term for the left and right side. I think they use like naval terms like port, port starboard. Yeah, yeah. Right. yeah. Um, so your first jump, you went out the side. Correct. Okay. Yeah. But then if you go off like a Chinook or an aircraft that has an opening in the back like that, you'll just walk off the back, which I've done. Yeah. The only thing I didn't get to do. <laughs> you just walk off? Yeah, you just walk off. How are your, uh, how are your knees? Uh, <laughs> knees are good. Uh, <laughs> you get a little spaghetti leg when you're uh, getting to the edge of that door no, there? No, you have to trust your equipment. Yeah. Yeah. The first time for sure I was nervous, but you, I, I ended with 29 jumps, 29 static line jumps. So yeah. at that time... And that's like minuscule in comparison to people who have been in for a full career in the division. You yeah, know? yeah, they're probably yeah. over a hundred. Yeah. But you learn to trust your equipment, and you're not scared. Well, what about that first time when you get out there? What was that it's feeling? It's very exhilarating. You learn to slip. They try to teach you how to slip to the right, slip. So the the verbiage is slip away. Slip away. Because it's very so. As each paratrooper jumps out the paratroop door, you're. Your, your time to sort of like right, left, right, left, right, left, coming out each door. Yeah. And if you're on the ground watching, you're just seeing like shoots open, shoots open. And um, it's very easy to become entangled or like have some paratrooper from the other side like come to you. Oh, right. Wow. Yeah. So the, the uh, adage is slip away. So if you see someone coming towards you, you just grab your riser and slip away. Ah, yeah. gotcha. Okay. Um, <laughs> so you hook up, you, you know, you hook up and then... The jump master is initiates the first person out the door, and as you walk down the line, you hand the jump master your static line, turn to the paratroop door, and, and you jump out. Yeah, no That's hesitation, it. no... You don't have to worry about opening your chute because the static line pulls it out. Okay. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah. So it's not like uh, we're not doing like Mission Impossible... Jumping yeah, out of the heel. No. Pulling your ripcord. Yeah, right this now. is, okay. it doesn't want, you do wear like a reserve on your, on your like belly band. Right. Uh, that you could deploy on your own, but yeah. your your static line pulls your chute open. Oh, interesting. Yeah. How, so when you jump, as soon as you jump out, you don't have to worry about pulling. That thing is just going to catch yeah. and it's going to deploy for you. Yeah, your head in the chest, you have this like little like position you should be in and you're yeah. counting 1,000, 2,000, 3,000, 4,000 yeah. and you're looking to see your canopy open and Make How's sure that? How's that when like it does deploy? What's that feeling <laughs> like? Did you get launched back up? Uh, no. So what you what you would like experience when you jump out is kind of like a foot overhead type deal, like because you're going so fast, yeah. yeah. Which is actually like a stalling speed for the plane, which is kind of funny. Like really? the plane has to slow down so slow that it's almost stalling in the air for you to jump out. Oh, gotcha. but you're is, that, is that for all planes? Mm, for sure, the C the for sure the C one thirty. Okay. Otherwise, it would or just the, be too or much. Or the C seventeen Globemaster. So you're telling me the movies aren't real that they're just like hauling <laughs> ass and someone just. But see, out. that's the thing. No, if you're if you're doing Halo stuff like high altitude, low opening, then yeah, I think maybe 
Maybe it is. That's something I've never done. Oh, okay. That's the skydiving. Oh, But when okay. you're doing static line, it's different. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. So anyway, you kind of go like feet overhead and come back and yeah, you just count. And like I said, trust your equipment, look up, there's the canopy and then kind of get your bearing, slip whichever way you want. Once you get to, you know, tree level, you release your equipment. It goes down and then you land, you do a PLF, which is a parachute landing fall. Yeah. Collect everything up and go on mission. How was the first landing? Uh, I can't really remember specifically, but I got it. I mean, I was one out of ten. Ten. <laughs> <laughs> I'm here, aren't I? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Ten. Gotta be a ten. Oh, uh, that's good. Stuck it. Stuck the landing. <laughs> Stuck the landing. <laughs> All right. Well, I know you and I have talked a little bit about your military experience, and um, you did not deploy. Yeah. And do you wish that you ever did, or is there a you know, a part of you that feels like you didn't accomplish something by not deploying, or you know what I mean? Like, what what's the what's yeah. the mindset with that? Well, does that and that does that just to kind of piggyback on that? Does that mean something like yeah. for the guys who have? Oh yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, if there's something to covet while you're in, it's like a deployment patch. Yeah. You know, you so in the in the army, you wear on your left sleeve. Um, your like units patch so that's an identifier of like who what unit you're in yeah so we were the all-american which is like a pretty obvious like aa i'm sure you've seen it before stands for all-american because 82nd airborne division had like troops from everywhere in america yeah um and then whichever unit you deploy with you wear on your right sleeve okay. and that's that can be any any your choosing. So say you deployed with more than one unit, whichever is like near and dear to your heart, you can wear that on your right sleeve. And until then, you sort of are like a slick sleeve, sort of the terminology. Yeah. 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 And, you know, it, it has no, you can't, you can't like just raise your hand and say, I'm going to deploy. Right. You know, you, your unit has to come down with orders, your battalion, brigade, all these other commanders who are, you know, miles above you have to... Uh, say sign yeah. off on it yeah. yeah um so as an infantryman yeah like i wish i would have deployed um because that's what that's what my job was yeah. you know i trained for years and years um to be ready to go you know be the ground fighting force my unit was on like grf for almost my entire enlistment which is global response force mm -hmm. so we were always told like you know if if it does go down we're going to be the first unit that gets called up. Yeah. So we're constantly in like a red phase of training. You know, we're always in the field. So it was tough training. Yeah. And at the time I felt like, man, I could, I could do this. I really know what I'm doing. Yeah. And then to go for five years and, you know, you hear rumors were like, we're on the cusp of deploying this, that, and the other thing, you know, when I got to my unit, they were coming back from Iraq. And when I finally left my unit, they went to Iraq. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I missed it both ways. And, but on the other side of the coin, like I'm here, I'm here today. Yeah, yeah. you know, and not everyone obviously can say that. So, yeah, the um, good and the bad. Yeah, yeah I wish yeah. I would have deployed, but in the same sense, like I'm glad that nothing bad happened to me. Well, yeah. I mean, it makes sense because you, you know, it's like you said, you're training to do this thing, this one thing, you know. And if you kind of relate it to like football, imagine just like. Just going practicing, practicing yeah. day in day out, going in the weight room, and then never playing. Never a, a getting down in the game, yeah. Never yeah. getting in. It's a different kind of speed, and you know, not to be cavalier about it, and you know, kind of equate the two because those are just light years of difference between playing high school football and like you know, 
going out to war. But uh, it's, it's nevertheless, it's your job. It's what you train to do to go all that time into, um, you know, train and, and just have this like one focus on this is what I'm training to do day in and day out. Like, what is your day like every day just like waking up doing like focusing on this thing to get better to do this one thing and never have it happen. You know, I could see that. But I, like you said, on the flip side, you know, you're here. I get to be, yeah, here I am right now. You yeah, know, so. yeah, yeah, yeah. You're on the biggest rising podcast, like, around, you know. Like, <laughs> <laughs> to the moon, to the moon, the real in the field, to the moon, baby. Yeah. So how did that, I mean, it, it's, you know, to, to have those feelings and to think about your mindset going into it every single day, thinking about what you signed up for, kind of like what you touched on earlier. You know, you're signing this contract to essentially give your life to the U.S. government uh, to use to to kind of be at the U.S. government's expense um, to do what you know protect assets you know domestic foreign do all that what like how did that shape your like view uh, worldview because uh, I'm sure you know that's got to had an effect somehow so how does that kind of like shape your view um, on just the world politics everything you know how's that how's it shaped you mm-hmm. um, I grew up in like a divorced household Mm -hmm. and saw like my mom struggle and work hard and I was like a pretty like democratic individual like a democrat Mm -hmm. little d right on the democratic side of of politics and really kind of thought government aid was good and important and these sorts of things you know more liberal stuff and then after and then got into education too and but after serving in the military, I think I got a more like conservative view of the world. Yeah, it's just an eclectic place. Right. You know, anything that happens in society tends to happen in the military first. Mm-hmm. It's quite a phenomenon. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, through training and just experiences, um, it made me a bit more conservative. You know, I went from doing research in a, you know, exercise physiology lab, publishing works and going to campuses talking about, you know, this, that, and the other thing about kinesiology to somebody telling me how to shave my face, you know, and limiting, like, what I was eating and when I could use the restroom. It was a big, big change of pace and scenery. Yeah. And um, I remember one of the, uh, towards the end, towards the end of basic training, we had a guy... And um, I think he was from Georgia as well. But he said, you know, he was so happy to get his assignment to whatever post he was going to. And he said, you know, it was either this or a cardboard box for me. And it was like an eye-opening thing. Like, you get so used to being in your bubble. You know, I just often think everybody has an education Everybody has a degree, yeah. you know, because they're used to it. And then you meet this guy who's not a bad guy. He was a good guy, you know, nice. And you're like, hey, this this was it. It was either this or a cardboard box. Like, you know, he's homeless and yeah. no job, no future. Or the military, like, or he makes it in the military. That's, right. that's crazy. Um, so I think for me, it just kind of let me understand that, you know, man, we are all so different. Yeah. Um, we're all so different. We all need each other. And we've got to help each other out, you yeah. know. Um, but also, like, 
Team America as far as world views. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, that's a, that's a really interesting... I mean, it, it, it gave you perspective, like yeah. seeing other Domestically, absolutely. Domestically, absolutely. There's not... I mean, it takes all of us to try to, like, be on the same team and help each other out. It really does. Yeah. And you got to have... You gotta have buddies. You gotta have tight. You, you need people. You yeah. need people. And then uh, I don't know more like in you know international, you know idea. It just gave me more sense of pride that I already had in this country. Yeah. 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 That's no, really that's cool. really good. It's really cool, and it's it's cool to see that. I mean, I, like I don't think a lot of people like have that perspective, or because it's a unique situation. Like, where else can you? be alongside, share, um, you know, share a, a room essentially with, like when you're in basic or when you're with like other people from all over the country, all these different walks of lives, different personalities, different backgrounds, upbringing, different, just everything. You have a first hand look at like what that looks like and it gives you a different perspective. A lot of people don't get that. Yeah. So piggybacking on that, do you think everyone should surf like a mandatory because what, what country, like, isn't Israel and, like, yeah, Israel some other countries like a, have, yeah. like, a two-year, like, you have Mandatory, to serve? Right. Um, like, do you, what do you think? Should we do something like that? Oh, I'm 100% behind that. 100%. And the reasoning, and it's not just because of, like, I, I want, you know, I have that sense of pride of having served, but it's very beneficial. You know, if everybody was mandated to serve, uh, contract times would be... Uh, less, less. Yeah. You know, typically right now, I think you're looking at like a five year contract. Right. Where in the past you can get like a two and a half, three year contract. You know, so the more people who serve, you have less contract time because they might not need you. Um, additionally, you get the GI Bill, mm-hmm. right? So even though I had already had a master's degree when I went in, I still had to pay into the GI Bill, but I forfeited it for a student loan repayment. So you serve three years. Your college is paid for. Yeah. Um, again, you get to now get out of that bubble, right, and experience all these different walks of life, these yeah. people from all around the country. You're going to put a little bit of money in your pocket coming out of high school, you know, and, and then just you're, you're getting exposed to, like, so, so many different people. Yeah. And I think that's important. And then for me, getting out, you know, um, I used the GI Bill when I bought my first house. So these are all, there's so many. Yeah, the country, the government is using you as a number. Yeah. You are a number. Yeah. But when, you know, you got to use them just as much. Yeah. And. That's a good, yeah, that's a good, I mean, that's a good perspective. And I think that that could be a positive thing for every young 18 to 21-year-old individual yeah. in this country. You, you really decide, hey, maybe this is for me. You know, I have a short three-year contract. Maybe this is something I want to do. Because every job that exists in the civilian world exists in the military world. Yeah. Yeah. I, they, got, they got clerks. They got. Oh, yeah. They have, um, you know, physical therapists. They have dentists. They have um, psychologists. You name it. And yeah. so. Cooks, truck drivers. Cooks, truck drivers. Uh, everything. Cops. You name it. Yeah. They got it all. Yeah. Um, so if everybody served, I think it's, you know. Gives you a lot of opportunities to stay in. Do I like it? Do I not? Can you get something out of it? Absolutely. And I think that it would be eye-opening for, you know, every generation. You know, yeah. it's just, it's yeah. a positive thing. I don't see no, it being a you. negative yeah. thing. Yeah. 
No, I, th- I, 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 I think they I'm should. I'm totally with you. I mean, thinking about the people that I've uh, that I've know that uh, have been in the military. I mean, it just it, it changes. It just changes you. It changes your personality. It changes your uh, just your outlook on life. And I think it's for the for the better, for the uh, a positive, mm-hmm. to see people have like those perspectives, like you're talking about, meet different uh, different people, uh, and then like you know pushing yourself. That kind of thing, like we've talked about with you know even like with high school sports, like you push yourself and find out like what you're made of, what you can do, where your limits are, and then of. just how much you can push yourself further yeah. than that. And what it does for you and that kind of just that in itself is just for your own like self-realization of like what you're able to do jumping out of planes and all of that like just knowing that that's ca- you're capable of doing that i think that's a, a cool perspective to have yeah. yeah i think it'd be very positive for for the youth you know yeah absolutely absolutely cool. and wrestling get everybody in there mandate wrestling once you <laughs> yeah hey one, once you've wrestled everything else is easy right? like, include well, the military well that's Dan Gable said that one of the greatest you know wrestlers of all time, um, but yeah, the military was a little bit harder than wrestling. A little bit, <laughs> but it did uh, it did have me mentally prepared to go in there. Yeah, you know what yeah. I mean. I felt positive. Yeah, yeah. because yeah. of wrestling, that's really good. Absolutely. All right, we're gonna take uh, one more break. We're gonna come back uh, after this spot from Cigar Spots, our sponsor, CigarSpots.com, and and, uh, and what are we doing when we come back? Doing the envelope. You did a little uh, in honor, <laughs> in honor of the big of the, dog, of the, the writer, envelope tomato, the, the envelope too, the out. creator <laughs> of the envelope, uh, big dog. We'll do, uh, yeah, we're gonna put it in his corner now and see uh, see how he does. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we'll be back after this. This episode is brought to you by Cigar Spots of Orange. Cigar Spots is located in the Circle of Orange. They have all the top brands of cigars and accessories, including my favorite, the Tatuaje Black Label. What are you going with? That's a good cigar. I'm going with the Padron 1964. That's a hard cigar to come by. All you cigar lovers know how hard it is to get that cigar. Uh, But they also do home delivery. You can actually place the order online and have it delivered to your home if you live within the Orange County area. Or you can go and pick it up in store. You can order online. Uh, go to the store and pick it up. I did that recently when we were going out to dinner, needed to get a cigar on the way out, picked it up in store, and uh, I was off. When you were online, did you enter a promo code by chance? Oh, yeah. Put in that promo code, Tony Joe, got myself 20% off there. So visit CigarSpots.com, and like Joe said, enter that promo code, Tony Joe, to get yourself that 20% discount. All right, and we are back. Thank you to CigarSpots.com. Uh, go ahead and get yourself that 20% off. Use promo code TONYJOE at checkout, and uh, yeah, get yourself some sticks. All right, Jay Mitch, what we got? Here we, we got, go. Uh, the envelope. The original envelope uh, <laughs> is still here. We're still using the same one. In honor uh, of our guests. I've loaded it up with a couple different uh, questions. Okay. Shaking it up. We're going to crack it open. All right. And uh, Big Dog, you have the honors. All right. No looking. (laughs) Ready? Ready. If you were a burglar, what do you steal that would be slightly annoying to the homeowner? All right. What would you steal? All right, you start this Uh, off. (laughs) I'm going to steal toilet paper. All right. Just one roll? No, I'd take all the rolls, probably, of toilet paper. All the rolls. All the rolls. And then, what else would I take? 
Maybe if they're a coffee drinker, I'm going to take the coffee maker. Oh, oh dude, you know it'd be yeah. a good one. That Leave the off. whole maker, just take like the glass thing. <laughs> <laughs> the pitcher. Yeah. The pitcher, yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. TP and coffee for me. That's what I'm, I'm snagging. That's pretty that good. Pit, that'll pretty annoy good. him. All right. What about you? Mm, maybe if I could get away with it, like the cushions to the couch. Yeah. Oh. C- couch cushions where you going to sit. That's uh, a good, yeah. Silverware. Silverware. Yeah, yeah. silverware. Oh, I, uh, remote. You gotta oh, take the remote. That's the winner, right? That's there. it. Yeah. Who yeah. gets up to change the channel these days? <laughs> <laughs> Snagging the remotes. That's huge, right there. All right. What are three things that you're taking with you if you're stranded on a deserted island? Oh, good one. All right. And well, you can't be all corny and say like, uh, <laughs> "Oh, my wife and kids." Like you can't do that. <laughs> you got to give like material uh, answers. All right. Well, I mean, just like. If, if I'm thinking like practically, it's got to be like a water filter of some sort, right? <laughs> a, you got to stay Brita? hydrated. A Brita? <laughs> yeah, just a Brita. <laughs> uh, yeah, the one that goes on the sink, so yeah. it's got to like oh, useless. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just keep scooping it out of the hose that you just bring scooping with you it out. Well, yeah, by that logic, I got to bring a hose. <laughs> yeah. uh, now, some sort of water purifier. That'll be my number one. I'll let you guys pick your number one, then I'll think a little bit more on my number two. Uh, sunscreen. Oh. I'm taking sunscreen. I'm going to go practical. How many of them? How, how, like a case full? A, ever, a pallet like a full? a never-ending amount of sunscreen? Yeah. You're going to have to drop it from, uh, from Big Dog's plane that he's jumping out of? <laughs> I'll jump it in. <laughs> yeah, just throw it over. Uh, no, I mean, I'm going to go sunscreen. I'm going to go, um, uh, what else? Sunscreen. Just do everything sun-related. Sunglasses and uh, <laughs> some zinc for my nose. No. Uh, <laughs> Bill Nova's no joke. <laughs> I do. I got red nose already, man. I got to be careful. No, but definitely sunscreen, some type of water. Yeah. You got to stay hydrated. Yeah. There's things. Like, gotta right, you can hunt for some food. You can go out and, like, you know. Oh, uh, speaking of hunting, maybe maybe a knife or something. Dude, yeah. yeah. That's a good call. Yeah. Maybe a knife. Or are we being dumb and... Skipping out on matches or something. <laughs> oh, you could put, like smash some rocks together and get a get a something oh, he's, started. Easy Neanderthal. <laughs> it's pronounced Neanderthal. <laughs> All right, big dog. What are you, uh, what are you taking? taking? taking you okay, got three. What do you so, got? Yeah, I'm taking your like 311 a, CD. Uh, blue album all day. I'm gonna take like a tarp. Oh God! Ooh, here we go. Good right. answers, guy. Who's I know, tarp, right? Yeah. I'm take a tarp. You've been I'm watching take, Alone or something. I I love that show. <laughs> it's a good show. Uh, taking a tarp, taking like a pot to like boil Damn, water. Yeah. in. Yeah. So you don't even need a filter if you got a pot. You just boil your. And right. probably taking like uh, a rifle. Rifle. Yeah. No pot, ammo. Pot. Breda. We'll Come see, on. What's does, better? Is the ammo implied with the rifle? I think. No, I think you got. That's a so separate I have to, item. I have to take something out. You gotta. You gotta take something else. There's no endless amount of ammo. All right. Yeah. Well, then I guess. I guess I bring ammo over the tarp. Yeah. All right. All right. But I'm gonna be wearing glasses. You know, like glasses. Anything on your person that you bring on you, like that you would wear in your everyday life, I think is like you just bring with you, right? It's like clothes. Yeah. Like yeah. a good set of boots. Yeah. Okay. You know. So then I go ammo, rifle, pot. Ammo, rifle, pot, yeah. All Look right. at us. I'm over here sunscreening up in this guy's, <laughs> this guy's shooting in. Yeah, wait, I'm going to take back my water filter. I'm going to uh, go with the pot. I think you're stuck with a water filter. All right, fine, I'll take this the water filter. This guy is Brita over here. <laughs> <laughs> but I do have to take some sort of uh, weapon, so 
I'll go, uh, I'll go, wait, like a machete or something. Something big oh. that I can like kind of like do like multi-purpose. Oh, that's good. That's, that's, good. that's a good yeah. idea. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, All right, here we go. In. If you could travel back in time, when and where would you go? Oh, that's a good oh, man. one. That's so um, good. I got, I got two. Yeah. I can would, you though? Can you have two or? <laughs> yeah, we gotta keep the integrity of I this mean, game. I mean, what's it gonna be? I would love to see the dinosaur era, and I know there were millions of years of different dinosaur eras and all that stuff. Yeah, but I would just want to go back and see, like, see a T Rex yeah, in person. Well, because have you heard things like like uh, like dinosaurs like maybe weren't like completely bald, like they had like feathers. Yeah, like just to get like an eye, like all right. Th- like this is what it looked like, and how did they really sound? Yeah. Because the only sound we know is Jurassic Park, and they put together like a tortoise, and like they combined a bunch of different animal. Is that sounds. true? Yeah, they oh, combined wow. a bunch of different animal sounds to make the T Rex <laughs> sound. Dude, what if they were like, what if they like barked, or uh, what if they did yeah. something weird? Yeah, I don't know. Sure, sure. But I would like, to, I would like, <laughs> I would like to see some dinosaurs. And then I would definitely want to go back to the Egyptian time and see how they built those freaking pyramids. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah, I, think yeah. that, I think that's, that's a, a common good one. one, yeah. Yeah, those would, would be mine. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. What no limitations, right? Anything, everything? No. Yeah, what do you got? Yeah, I want to go back to when it all started, Levan. Like, creation. Yeah, oh, that moment. Good. Just if to be, like, floating it. in space or whatever <laughs> and just see it happen. Like, yeah. wow. Like, well, that's a trippy how, thing to dude, think about, too. Like, like, how, I didn't what, think of that. Happen. That's great. Well, like, you think about that, because I've done this, like, kind of exercise where you kind of, like, go backwards, and it's like, all right, what came before Earth, Sun, this universe, and then what came before that, like, how far back can you go? And then it's like, what? where was all of this? Where does this all exist? Yeah. yeah. That's you know what I, I mean? would like to go to. And it's like, at what, at what point is there just nothing, but then where does nothing exist? You know what I mean? We sound like a couple oh philosophers over here. <laughs> what are we talking about? <laughs> no, I saw like a. I, I, I'm pretty fascinated by like outer space. Yeah, it's always been like a fascination of mine and an interest. And uh, you know, you can go on the internet and it shows you like you know the size of the sun compared to Earth. Yeah, the size of the know it and um, biggest known star compared to our sun, and oh, it's yeah. just it's. So interesting. Oh, yeah. It, it, it's too much. Yeah. It's too much to even fathom. Yeah. So I was having this conversation. To go conversation. back to the start of everything, I yeah. think I'd like to see That'd that. Be, that's a good answer. Well, I was having a conversation with somebody today about that because we were talking about, like, our episode about, you know, whether, like, life forms exist on other planets kind Which of thing. Yeah, that was, I love that <laughs> <episode>. <laughs> And it was just like, all right, when you think about, like, a light year, which is... A light year is the amount of space that's covered uh, that a light travels in a year which is like something like six trillion miles or something. Mm-hmm. And there's like galaxies, like light years away. And it's just like you kind of trying to fathom that amount of distance, which is so crazy, crazy yeah. to think about. Yeah, I think they just found like four new, so that new telescope that we launched. Yeah. I can't remember the name of it. Yeah. John. John. Yeah. Yeah, it just it. found four new galaxies that like should not exist. Really? So now it's a whole, like they're saying this is like a whole change on what we when you know science says things started yeah well then but that's that's, they that's crazy well think about this too it's like what they're seeing 
because of the speed of light and when you're it's getting that older it's it, you're looking into the past Correct, when yeah. you see this mm -hmm. like you see this image that's being bounced back to you do you're looking into the past that thing might not even exist anymore Correct. yeah 100%. Right? yeah that could be completely destroyed so crazy yeah, yeah. All right, so what's your answer? Yeah, when? Oh, when, uh, and where, when and where? two weeks ago. We <laughs> <laughs> started real in the field. <laughs> this guy cut me oh, off. Come on, there's got to be a No, no, I would go. Like Western days? or No, I, go? I think Western days are super boring. I don't think I would go there. It's just dirt and dust and yeah, horses. People shooting each other. Yeah, and shitting everywhere. Well, horses shitting everywhere. Uh, no, I think World like World War Two that time frame, I, it's super morbid, and I don't think like, I would want to go there just to kind of witness all that but it's just such a such a like mo like that moment in time like such a uh just a huge moment in the world history yeah world war ii and it's kind of somewhat recent too like you know my grandpa fought in world war ii and so to know that that was like he was in there and it's like just kind of still in the time frame that relevant. we can kind of, yeah. yeah, relevant, like it's super interesting. So just to go back to that time, just kind of, you know, that era. Yeah. I like it. I like it. Well, that completes the envelope two. The envelope two. Uh, all right. That was the envelope. That was a great game. Uh, thank you again for your big talk for introducing us to that game. We're going to take a quick uh, break and we'll come back uh, after this. This episode is brought to you by DK's Donuts of Orange. DK's Donuts is located on Chapman Avenue, right across the street from Fred Kelly Stadium. Yeah, DK's has been family-owned and operated for as long as I can remember. Uh, they've got uh, great sandwiches, great donuts. Uh, we go there Saturday mornings. We'll pick ourselves up a breakfast sandwich and, uh, and grab a donut. They'll usually hook it up with a little donut hole. What Man, are you getting over there? Going with the chocolate bar. Oh, yeah. Tell Adam that Real in the Field sent you. Uh, we're going to do, uh, I mean, we'd be remiss if we didn't have some real estate talk. Mm -hmm. So let's talk a little bit about your uh, journey in real estate. Um, what's your experience? What was your, um, well, A, what was your experience in real estate? And then um, kind of give us a little bit of your experience with your agent. I want to know about that too. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, so pretty limited experience. Uh, first time home buyer in twenty uh, twenty. 2020, okay. Yeah, so I bought during the pandemic. Nice, pretty recent, so, yeah. Yeah, pretty fortunate. Uh, bought a little condo, two bedroom, two bath, 900 square feet. Nice. Um, and 2.25%. Damn, so, look yes. at you. That's not Very coming back Very nice. Oh, no, that's never coming back. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, my agent was a high school friend of mine. Okay. And I sort of gave him my parameters and then he like set me up on his MLS. Yeah. If that's right, if that yeah. sounded correct. Yeah. So I could look at condos, houses, whatever whatever I wanted to look right, at. Right, right. And I would say, Hey, I'm interested in checking this one out and he would like schedule the deal. Yeah. So we'd go look around. I probably saw twenty, twenty five condos. That's a good amount. Yeah. yeah, I saw a lot. Yeah. Um saw a lot. And I think I was originally approved up to like 450, right? But was pretty nervous to max out. Yeah. And he was like, "Hey, everybody maxes out." Yeah. Especially right now. Yeah. And I couldn't buy into that. Um, I was looking over here in Orange. I think um, when you're going towards the Orange Mining Co. Yeah. There's a really nice like Spanish style area over there. 
Yeah, condos that's kind are of like uh, all where, white. Yeah. Uh, where your parents were at. Yeah. All yeah. white, yeah, beautiful. And mm-hmm. there was a unit available there that I just couldn't pull the trigger on. Yeah. Uh, so I ended up in Fullerton, two bedroom, two bath, 900 square feet. Um, and I love it. You know, it's been great. You know, I've always yeah. felt like the, you know, the American dream, especially living in California, was... You know, owning a piece of property. Absolutely. So yeah. check that box. Um, I used my VA home loan. Very nice. So I had a, I didn't get, I didn't have to put any money down. Yeah. I just had to qualify for the payments. That's it. Yeah. Um, so I think it, I moved into my condo for like sixty two hundred bucks. Wow. Yeah. Just some of the closing costs. Yeah. Dude, that is very nice. So what was your uh, experience like, just like in searching, going out, looking for properties? Mm-hmm. Like, how did that, like, how did that feel for you? Were you comfortable? Was, like, what was that, what was that like? That was tough and yeah. a bit frustrating. Yeah. You know, because you see these photos online and, you know, maybe like a good real estate photographer took the photos. Yeah. And you get there and it's like, well, this, this isn't what I was looking at. Yeah. Or your expectations are high because you're excited. So there's a lot of like, Going through, I felt like, you know, like, um, so I've seen so many places. When am I going to land a spot? Yeah. You know? Um, but also, it was fun. Yeah. You know? And then yeah. when we finally found a spot, my my buddy, um, you know, I, I gave them a full price offer. Yeah. Everything they were asking for. Yeah. And then they came back and asked for more money. Wow. At yeah. that time, which I'm sure was probably Yeah, common. it was crazy, like, during that time. Yeah. Yeah. And so... I gave him the more money because it was only like twenty five hundred bucks, and my agent was like twenty five hundred dollars over thirty years is nothing. Take yeah. it, yeah. took it, and there was no fridge, so he gave me a great move-in gift. He bought oh, me a fridge, nice. Which is, right, you guys probably do something like that when yeah, you yeah do that move-in gift home. for yeah. sure. Yeah, um, so pretty positive, pretty positive experience. Yeah. Um, I had a feel when you got those keys when the, like the ink was dried on uh on your papers yeah. and you got those keys to your place and you walked in for the first time yeah so i was rent i was like renting a room from a buddy of mine yeah and then got this place and i could have stayed there because all my stuff was still there i had i was waiting for things to come yeah but i just like slept on the floor on a rug the first yeah. night like just <laughs> on your rug my pad yeah <laughs> my pad it was super cool um and it, it was really enjoyable yeah um you're in a position like owning a place, having like this property that's yours is is like such a huge accomplishment. And, you know, I think like you had said before, using the federal government to help you do that, you made a sacrifice to, you made an agreement with the federal government to say, I will give my life to you in exchange for some of these things, uh, you know, that... Uh, that I'll take on the back end. One of them is perspective, like we talked about, you know, sure. and perspective and having this like world, you know, different worldview. And then the other things are having this like VA loan that, you know, benefits you to get into a home. For yeah, no zero PMI down. on that either. No PMI. No PMI. 60 some, 6,800 or whatever. Yeah. They walk into a place, call your own, build some equity and, uh, you know, have something like we talk about, we've talked about generational wealth, you know, pass it down to hopefully one day That's your kids. Hope, yeah, hold on to it Yeah, and give it away, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, congratulations on doing that. That's a huge accomplishment. And um, yeah, we'll, uh, yeah, we'll talk more and figure out like what your next step is. Uh, in the meantime... No, my agent is going to be for uh, and in the meantime, yeah, that'll do it for this episode of Real in the Field Season 2. 
Glad. Thank you so much for being here. This yeah. is uh, this, is, this was awesome. Yeah, it was really cool uh, hearing your insight into uh, wrestling, into your military background, and just uh, yeah, uh, all that went into this episode. So thank you for being here. Uh, we'll be back next. Uh, well, we're gonna kind of play with the the, the time frame here a little bit. So. Um, maybe in a couple weeks, uh, I think we're going to start kind of rolling these out uh, every other week. So we'll be back maybe in two weeks with a new episode uh, of Real in the Field. So stay tuned and uh, yeah, see you.